Welcome to Parallel Quest, a podcast where two friends talk about the stories we love and share our personal stories of the impact they've had on our lives. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and alongside, or maybe more accurately said, across the internet from me, my great friend, co-host, author, and currently storm dweller, Zach Butler. (laughs) Zach, how are you doing today? Good. That sounds like a fantasy. It does. I like that. Zach Storm. Like Brandon like. Sanderson name. You've been reading so much Sanderson. I've been reading man. a lot of fantasy. It's, it is. It's definitely taken over my imagination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm also sounding a little echoey for those who are really keying in on the audio here. I have moved everything out of this room except for the desk that I am basically recording on because this room will become my son's nursery here in a few months mm-hmm. so we're we're prepping we're getting everything out we're getting carpet in here soon so for those who watch us on youtube in the next couple of videos if you watch you'll see me in a completely new setting a new studio as i like to call new it but studio. i'm really just going to the other side of my duplex <laughs> going to a new space yeah i i feel like the audience might have been waiting to find out like is he gonna record in the nursery like are we gonna are we gonna soothe the baby to sleep to our podcast <laughs> i thought about it <laughs> and the answer is no <laughs> no <laughs> yes the, the, it's a hard no a hard pass on that um but i will be just on the other side of the wall to my left here so very soon a new studio and i'm hoping to do some cool stuff man i want to have some cool background oh, stuff nice for those who like watching the youtube videos yeah. i want a, a nice aesthetic in the background yeah. here, really tie it all together yeah, I'm, instead of just my messy room And we're here. trying to up the production quality for those of you who do watch the show on YouTube. I, I kind of, on our last episode, I had some graphics come up of like the, the titles of the main segment. We're going to have those pop up on the bottom now so that as you kind of, if you want to scrub through the show, you can kind of see what we're talking about on the screen. So just trying to give a little bit more visuals as, as high of production quality as, as we can do here at Steel Lake Studio. Um, yeah, so with, right. the, with the time that we have to work on things, unfortunately we can't make it too, too fancy because full-time jobs and families and all that, um, we, we can't do all that we would want, like to, but hey, we're hoping to get there one day. Hoping to get there one day. Uh, We're trying. We're trying. Tell me, tell me what's going on in the life of Zach Butler. How how are things, my friend? Oh, dude, I've had a day today. A day. Oh, We're just no. gonna even Here talk go. about today. We're just going I into know it. we missed a week of recording. We're diving right into it, man. I just got to get into <laughs> it. So the last couple days, this this story ends with with a good ending. Good. So I, I do want to preface good. that, but it, we start in a really rough place, man. Oh. We start with the fact that the pipes in my garage that lead out to the main line are it, they're, they're all backed mm. up. I, I can't I can't even do laundry because it, the sink that drains the washer backs up like I can barely put any water in it. I can't wash any dishes because that sink all goes down into the same pipe that's backed up. So it all just overflows into the sink that's in my basement. And so I was like, what the heck? Like, what is in these pipes? And so yesterday or no, today, I, I went out and got like a snake. I bought a, not a pet snake. I bought yeah. a drain yeah, snake. Yeah, yeah. 
for those who don't know, <laughs> you bought it's called a snake or an auger or whatever, but it's it's like this big long metal coil that you just shove down your drain and it cleans it out eventually because you can get to where the clog is and you can kind of twist it around and it cleans it out. And so I decided to go out and get like this 50 foot long one because I had no idea where this clog is. And like, I don't, I mean, you do stuff around your house. You, you do projects, yeah. fix things. You're pretty handy. Like yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of person that like, I'm not the handiest person, but I'm going to try first before I call in the professionals, mm-hmm. because I know once I call the professionals in, it's going to be a big bill that we got to yeah. pay. So I'd rather spend $35 in a couple hours of my time, hopefully an hour of my time. And I, to me, that's best case scenario. Well, I, I'm also the kind of guy who gets really upset at all my tools when I'm working. (laughs) And just if the working conditions aren't perfect, I start getting mad. I start swearing at like the PVC uh, pipe. I, I start calling my tools names. Oh, like man. I just start getting real upset. So if, like if Leah was home today, she was out on the deck and she could hear me underneath our sink in the back or in the kitchen, like just banging around and like yelling, and, like just getting mad at like the sink i'm just like there's so much stuff under here like i can't move and she's like well why don't you just take it out and then work under there i was like well yeah you don't think i thought of that like i get like but i'm not mad at her i'm just mad at the situation absolutely yeah so i go through ah, dude i probably worked at both my kitchen sink and the pipe in the in the garage for an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and i was getting so frustrated because you'd get the snake to a certain point and then it would just stop Mm -hmm. and you'd have to like try and find the angle to get it Mm -hmm. to move down the pipe further because i was like this is not the blockage this is just there's some kink in the pipe that it needs to go through Mm -hmm. and so an hour and a half later nothing man i didn't get to any clog i couldn't figure it out (laughs) it's still backed up i had taken all basically all the pipes out of every nook and cranny to try and just shorten the length of like shoving the snake into and i was getting so frustrated man so i called it quits there and so i was feeling pretty defeated and adventures i come out on dude it was oh so Anyways, I didn't fix everything, so I must have knocked something loose while I was down there because now the one of the pipes under my sink is still kind of leaking. So I got to figure that out now. But I just discovered that tonight before we I came up to record. So that's another thing on my list. So anyways, I'm like, well, there's the other side of the duplex. I can at least wash my clothes. I hadn't done laundry in like three days because of this like pipe issue. So there's a washer and dryer on the other side from the old tenants. And so I was like, all right, I'll just go over there. So I drag all of my, all of my clothes over to that, that dude, like that's, and I load it all in and I put the detergent in or the, you know, tied in and I go to turn on the washer and it doesn't turn on. I was like, what the heck? And I'd look, it's plugged in. I turn on the dryer, which is literally right next to it. It turns on. Like everything else in the room turns on. 
except the washer. And I already have everything in there with the soap. So like I can't take it out. <laughs> it's just covered in like tie now. And so I was like, what the heck? And so I test the box that it's plugged into with like, I have a little elect like tester mm -hmm. and it's not coming up anything, man. There's nothing dead. Mm. And I go and check the breaker. The breaker's on. It says it has power. I go back to the box, dead, oh. nothing. I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me, man. Like now I can't even wash my clothes because now this is broken. And so I had to run an extension cord from an outlet in another room all the way through the garage to the washing machine just to wash my clothes today. And so that worked, but now this box that it's supposed to be plugged into doesn't work. So that's another <laughs> thing off my list, man. And oh, so, man, I hate I'm these like, types oh, of things. Oh my gosh. And so then I get on my computer. This is the last thing. So I get on my computer cause I got to type this like essay for something and I'm sitting there and I start noticing like this orange tint all around like the border of my screen, like on my screen. And I was like, I was like blinking and thinking to myself, there's, am I actually seeing that? Or is that just the sunlight hitting? Cause I was on the deck with Leah. Yeah. And so I turned it around like Leah, do you see orange on this screen? She's like, yeah, there's orange all around the corners, like all around the border of your, your monitor. And I was like, now this, now, now my computer is also just doing something weird, breaking. I like, it was just oh, one man. thing after the next today, dude. And so I went to work this tonight because we had an event and I just wanted to make sure it went okay. And so afterwards I was like, you know what? I'm getting Indian food. I've earned Indian food. I love chicken tiki marsala. Nice. I have earned it today. Like I didn't fix anything, but I just need something to pick me up. And so I go in and I order my Indian food. And I, the guy was super nice. He like pulled up a chair for me to sit down because I was just a walk in. <laughs> super nice. It, but it was really funny because like I sat down on this chair and I wasn't at a table. It was just like a chair in the middle of this open space. And I was just nice. sitting there staring out at like the rest of the dining room eating <laughs> like a king looking over his court and I was just sitting there like, this is a little weird, but you know, it's something I've been in countries where it's much weirder. Yeah, so sure. like I was, I was kind of okay with it and I'm sitting there just kind of thinking about my day and I'm reading a book on my phone and this, one of the girls servers comes over and she's like, this is for you while you wait. And I thought it was water. I was like, Oh, that's really nice of them to give me water. And so I put the straw in, I take a big sip and I was like, whoa, whoa, what is, is this? She was like, that, no, it was mango. It was a mango okay, smoothie. Okay. I had, you know, okay. it was pot. Okay. I was like, whoa. I thought, I thought you were about to say it was like some clear substance alcohol and they really surprised no, you. No, I, I mean, I, I would have, that would have been nice. You look like you've been like, having a rough was, day, sir. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just was expecting like complimentary water, but they made me a mango smoothie. Oh, look at that. While I was waiting there. And so, you know what, sitting there with my mango smoothie, I'm not a huge fan of mango smoothies, but I was like, this was really nice. Mm -hmm. Like this was a, this was a cherry on the top of like my crappy day, <laughs> like just <laughs> nothing going right. Like, you know, this was the silver lining. And so I drove home thinking about my whole day and what I was going to say on the podcast. And, you know, I was like, 
I gotta talk about the mango smoothie mango because smoothie. nice. The mango smoothie made it all better. And I was just like, you know what? That's a really kind thing to do. So the moral of the story, you know, anyone could be having any kind of day. I'm sure I didn't have I definitely didn't have the worst day of my life. It was just if anything, annoying yeah. at point in time. But you know, doing something nice for somebody when they don't expect it that can really pick up their day. So mm. that's the my story, man. That was that was my whole. There you go. Day. Just a, a nice little, and you never know. You could be the you could be the receiver of that nice little thing, and you could be the giver of that nice little thing. You never know. Yeah. I like that. So, you said you're not a huge fan of mango smoothies, though. Did you end up Did you end up finishing smoothie? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I drank like maybe half of it. Okay. And I remember I got home and I was like, I don't really want the rest of this. It's like, this is a really nice gesture. I even said that as I was throwing it into the trash can. I was like, that was a really nice gesture, but I can't, I can't finish that. Uh, I understand. Yeah. I'm see, I'm not, I'm not like a smoothie guy. Um, you probably know this about me. Like I'm just like a straight water drinker. I drink water and I drink black coffee and that is it. That is it. I don't, I don't like sweet drinks. I don't like flavored mm. drinks. I don't drink alcohol. When it comes to like my beverage choices, I'm like the most boring person in the world. Um, yeah. there, there was actually that one incident, right, where where we were hanging out at the hotel bar, and I I asked for a coffee, and, and you asked for the you asked if the guy knew how. No, to make I asked him if he knew how to make a Manhattan. I will always remember that because that guy. Like I always want to say that to people at the at my store. Yeah. Like if they ask me a question where it's like, well, yeah, man. Like this is <laughs> this is what we do. Like this is like if someone was like, do you guys like sell chicken sandwich? I'm gonna be like, dude, this is Chick Fil A. What do you think? <laughs> right, like right. that was basically this guy's response yeah. to me. <laughs> so I was like, you know how to make a Manhattan? He's like, yeah, man, it's a bar. I'm a, I'm a bartender. <laughs> Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> like, well, yeah, like a five star sense. hotel, like you know. <laughs> yeah. like, I, was like, I, was just, I was just making sure. But then, sure. but then, on top of that, there was the creepy old woman next to us who was like, "Oh, look at you! That's a very grown up drink you got there." Do you, do you no, remember I that know. lady? It's like I don't want to talk to uh, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Oh, jeez, uh, I'm good. Oh, but oh man, it was a day. It was a good day. <laughs> at the end. But <laughs> how was your? How, what's been going on with you? Hey man? man. So anyway, I was telling you a little earlier. I finished a, a book series I've been working through. However, it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to get on the path of finishing as I would have liked for it to be because over the weekend. I think I've referenced this at least one more time on the podcast where it seems like whenever I'm home, the kids just get up earlier than normal, right? Like my wife will text me like during the week, like, oh, everyone slept in today till nine o'clock. And I'm like, oh, great. I got to work at seven. So that's awesome, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I honestly, I really am like as as a husband and a father and a provider for my family. I think that's great that they get to just have a blast all day. It's awesome. So, um, you know, I, I, I like relish the opportunities to where 
you know, my kids will sleep in till nine o'clock on a weekend, right? Because I don't plan in on sleeping till like nine o'clock, but for me, sleeping in is till like seven thirty, right? Like that's sleeping in to me, uh, because you know I'm up at I'm up at quarter to six every day, so I'm like, you know, I get a little extra hour and forty five minutes. That's pretty good for me. And so this this weekend, for some reason or another, um, so these. This past week, I've been really trying to manage my my uh, hydration a lot better. Um, so I've been really, really going down on my caffeine intake, increasing my water intake quite a bit, and I feel great. However, by like the time you know evening rolls around, I'm not you know you know I'm not operating on manifested energy anymore. Like I just get I'm just real tired, right? And so yeah, so. Anyway, over the weekend, like even on Friday, Saturday, typically I'll stay up a little bit later. I was like done at like ten fifteen, and oh, so wow. I think to myself like, okay, I went to bed a little bit earlier, and I'll get up and I'll I'll do some reading. Right, you know, everyone's sleeping until nine. I get up at quarter to seven. That gives me like two hours of just quiet me, the sunshine, a cup of coffee, the birds, and man, it just it seems great, right? It, it's a little tough on a Saturday rolling out of bed. You don't really want to, but once you're up and you're walking and you're going to the coffee maker and you know that that caffeine's gonna hit in about fifteen minutes, you're you're a little cheerier, mm-hmm. and and so I get everything going. I sit down on the couch, and so so the way that the couch is, we have a, a sectional couch, and I hardly ever get the corner seat because my wife always sits in the corner seat, but that's the best seat because, like, you can put your legs up and get the back support, right? And so, of course, you know, I, I being the, the husband and father, I make the sacrifices for my family's comfort always comes first. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's, that's how right. it is, you know? Yeah. And so... Anyway, I will. Uh, I get there and I get in the corner seat. I'm like, ah, this is heaven. Me, the sunshine, I'll pump the the shades a little bit, so all I have is sunlight coming through. All the lights in the house are off. Natural light. You know, yeah. Birds yep. chirping. I got my coffee, nice and hot. And then I hear, click. One of the doors opening, and I'm like, no, it couldn't have taken me two hours to make my coffee, could it? And I look at the clock. I'm like, seven ten. What? And so anyway, little head comes, and 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 like it's something like right out of a movie. Little head peeps around the corner. Hey, Dad. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you just getting up to go to the bathroom? You know, just going to the bathroom and going back to bed, right? I'm like, nah. I think I'm gonna get up and hang out with you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, no, you want to uh, sleep though. You want to sleep, you right? You gotta be tired, right? Like, you gotta be exhausted. And so, anyway, <laughs> sure enough, uh, it was my it was my son, uh, my second son, who was up first on Saturday, and he, you know, he lays down on the couch, so it's quiet for a minute. About ten minutes later, I hear feet on the floor. Right? Yeah, that sounds more like horses going down the ground, but whatever. You guys <laughs> get the principle. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty So then my my uh my old my oldest son, he peeps around the corner next. It's like, What are you guys doing up? You know, he goes to the bathroom, I'm like, You're gonna go back to bed, right? 
Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up with you, Dad. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you have the only <laughs> two kids, two boys that actually want to be up before <laughs> ten o'clock on a Saturday. And so anyway, you know, he he lays down, he grabs his little switch, and we've got like quiet time, and it's fine, it's fine. We're all hanging out on the couch, but about ten minutes later, I hear a big a big opening and a whoosh of the door. Like my daughter makes grand entrances, and she's like running down the hallway, and she doesn't like peek around the corner or anything. She just comes, she just jumps right on me on the couch, like, "Hey, Dad!" It's like, "All right, well, I'll put the book down." <laughs> well, that was a nice twenty-five. Minutes. So I was like, "Oh, that's a nice twenty-five minutes," but you know, anyway. Go to bed early the same night. Sunday comes. I'm like, oh, it's Father's Day. You know, maybe the kids will sleep in a little longer, you know, for their dear old dad. Sure enough, I'm up same time, quarter to seven. Get up, have coffee. And this time I couldn't even get back to the couch. I got, I've got, i got a little greeter in the hallway like, hey, dad. <laughs> it's like, what oh, the man, heck, man? what's going on? So I don't know what it is. I don't know if my kids go to bed on the weekends, and they just are so excited that I'm home that they, they don't sleep in or whatever, but all of them were up again, like before 7.30 on Sunday. Don't get me wrong, it was great. It was Father's Day. We all hung out, and we watched uh, that show on Disney+, Plus, The Bad Batch, which was actually surprisingly good. But, man, oh. man, I couldn't catch a break. I was like, you know, I'm trying to get up early and get some reading in because, you know, I don't really love reading at night because I kind of start dozing off. So, like, if mm-hmm. you get some in, like, first thing in the morning, and you can only do it on, like, a weekend. But anyway, couldn't do it, man. Are you are you loud when you're moving around in the morning? Dude, I, so I have a routine. Like, I open okay. my door as quiet as I can. Like, it sticks a little bit, so it makes a little bit of noise. But I, I have, like, a plan because we have wood floors. So I always put socks on. Right, because socks are quieter on wood floor. Yeah. Because the feet aren't gonna stick. Like I've got this planned and mapped out, man. Yeah. Maybe it's the Keurig machine waking up the kids. I have no idea. Maybe I need to just start going back to drip coffee. I don't know. <laughs> silent, silent see, way to make. But coffee, see, the yeah. thing is, is I started doing the Keurig in the morning over the drip because, like, if I do the drip, I gotta grind up my coffee beans, right? And that's all loud, like. So. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, dude, I mean, you might be like a Santa Claus to that <laughs> Maybe. man. Like, yeah. it's like he, like they just are so excited <laughs> that once they hear you, it's like, wake up, wake up. He's, He's up. up. We gotta go see He's him. He's up. Uh, we can't let him start reading. Can't let him have it. You can't let him have a long time. Cause, cause honestly, man, like on the weekends, once the kids are up and it's in like full gear, you don't get you don't get a break until. Like yeah. after dinner. I mean, do they take naps? No, no, no. <laughs> and so my daughter probably should still take a nap, but with two older brothers that are just up and about, I think that just plays in the back of her head. And she's like, wait, why the heck am I in here? You know, and she'll just get up a million yeah. times. So my wife and I were just like, all right, we'll just put her in bed early. She goes to bed relatively early, but. Okay. Yeah, man. Is the sun still up when they're going to bed? It is now. Um, so. You know, I remember those days, man. I remember like what some of my earliest <sighs> memories are like me going to bed and the sun still being out and me going like, why am I, why am I going to bed right now? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> there's still, there's still light. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, true. I go to bed when it's dark. Yeah. And 
I remember summertime. I was always like, why, why am I in here? <laughs> why am I in here? Like, why? What's everyone else doing? There's still sunlight. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, just I don't know what it is, guys. I, I feel like I'll never get my early morning routine. I got like something in my hair over here or something's going on. I don't know what that was. You all got about. waves um, going on today, man. You got the flow, but the bro flow. That's a little bit. That's a little bit of the stories from us. But outside of that, man, I feel like we gotta let people know you have a pretty big announcement that is that is oh, in do. reality right now as we speak. So let the people know, Zach. What do you have? What do you hold in your hand? So for those that are watching the video right now on YouTube, I am holding up. The first, this is the first hard copy. Now it does say not for resale, but this is the first hard copy of Nightmare at the Fair. Zach Butler's Terror Town series. They are out now. You can go to Amazon right now and purchase a hard copy, 144 pages of awesomeness mm -hmm. um, right now on Amazon. These are out. Um, the... The only place you can get it right now is Amazon. That's what I was going to say. The only place you can get it. So if you belong to any other distrib like distributors or anything, sorry. I'm working on that. Um, going to be honest, I'm trying to get out of the Amazon ecosystem and like go a little wider. But for right now, for the first book, it was the easiest thing to do to just continue to keep it all in the Amazon ecosystem. But get your copy, guys. Get your copy of Nightmare at the Fair if you're looking at... The video right now, it is beautiful. It is glossy finish. Um, show you the back a little bit. It is an official book, guys. Mm -hmm. So go on over to Amazon.com. Get Terror or get Nightmare at the Fair, first book in the Terror Town series. The second book we are working on right now to get it out in hard copy. So soon, very soon, you'll have both to put on your shelves or shelf. Um, and I am still working on the third one. So we're still in the editing process of that one. But when that one launches, I will say this, it will launch as a both an ebook and a hard nice. copy simultaneously. So you won't have to get one first and then the other. Now you can just choose what you want. So going forward, it's gonna be released as yeah. such. So but right now, head on over to Amazon, grab Nightmare at the Fair. Hard yeah. copy is available. Yeah, get yourself a hard copy. I know for me, I'm excited because I can get a couple copies. I can give them to my my niece and nephew. Because as much as I love what ebooks allow us to do in publishing, there's still just something about you know a physical book. And man, dude, how how surreal is that for you? You are holding your very own book, man. Like this. I, I'm sure it was great know, like yeah. when you published it for the first time and it was kind of like out in the ether, but does this feel like a little more real to you um, that you're like holding your work yeah, in your hand? Yeah, absolutely. It's very strange, man, to just kind of look through the book. And it's like, it's a good size, man. I didn't think it would be like that thick. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's not like super thick, but it it is weird, man. It's very yeah. surreal to just hold a physical copy of something I wrote and is out there for people to read yeah. and enjoy. So thank you everybody who has purchased the ebook and still went out and bought the hard copy. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for anyone who's read it too. 
like I've had a lot of people email me or call me and talk to me about like their thoughts on the book. And I'm, I love hearing about what people thought. Um, I'm also interested to hear about what people thought of the second book too. So Mm -hmm. remember there are two books out there. Um, second one will be out on hard copy soon, but thank you everybody that has, has purchased nightmare at the fair has read it. Um, and has purchased, you know, something strange at grandma's house as well. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. And I'm looking forward to that next installment in the Terror Town series. Give us the name of that, Zach. So the next installment is going to be The Beast of Big Bear Forest. I love that alliteration, The Beast of Big Bear Forest. I love it. It's like you you know, you learned basically what every pastor learns is that you got to make alliteration in your title so that it's memorable. <laughs> Although it gets it yeah, gets like really exactly. cliché when you're in church and they're like, "Okay, so you're like alliterating all 12 of your points for this sermon." That's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're all going to start with S. And they're all gonna, okay yeah. <laughs> now we're stretching here a little bit but uh yeah man that's exciting and if you guys get a chance to get over to steellakestudio.com you can subscribe to our newsletter our email and i i think what i would like to do is also just try and give updates on that like we'll continue to do the newsletter but maybe every once in a while you get an email from us like for example the terror town books being in mm-hmm. in hard hard a hard copy those might be things we just shoot you quick emails for give you updates things going on things being published what there is to come and maybe we can even use that as a way to uh, put out the upcoming episodes of parallel quest and all of that but head over there you get on our email yeah. list it's the best way for us to communicate <laughs> with one another and you guys can communicate with us as well at steellakestudio.com slash community or in the comments on YouTube if you would like. Uh, but also, just last announcement here, I know I've been talking about the podcast rebrand for the Haggard Odyssey for, I don't know, three months at this point, and now it has gotten to a point of where it's it's pretty real. There's a new title. There's a new logo. I've got episodes planned. And so instead of being stories and musings, like I alluded to before, we I've actually decided to go with the name Story Genes because it is an exploration into the attributes and DNA of the stories that we love, looking at these story genes and looking at how... There are components of modern stories that we love and figuring out where did those things come from, what popularized it, and why does it work. And so it's kind of a journey for me as someone who loves stories to learn more about storytelling. And while I'm doing that, I'm sharing it with anybody who wants to learn alongside. So this is very much me approaching this as someone who loves to research, someone who loves to do the homework and do the nitty gritty but I'm not approaching this from the angle of like, I'm the expert and everything I say is right and everything anybody else thinks is wrong. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that journey and and making some, some good high quality uh, podcasts for you. They'll probably be in the range of 10 to 15 minutes, uh, depending on what the material is. Maybe some will be longer, but they'll be a shorter form, not a long, like two hour podcast or anything like that. It'll be a mm-hmm. shorter form show, and it will also be available on YouTube. I'm really excited about it. And that'll be kicking off here probably in the middle of July, is my goal. So I'm, I have a vacation 
coming up in the middle of July, and my goal is to have it done before I go on vacation. So that's kind of like my, yeah, there my mark go. there. <laughs> but yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I'm super excited. I know you've shared some ideas with me and stuff that you've been working on, and I, I really like the idea. I love the title. Um, I'm really excited to, to hear what you have for us because you are – with, you know, with your pastoral background and everything, like, you know how to do research. So this isn't going to be for those listeners out there. This is not going to be just stuff that Cody is like, Oh, I think this is what this should be. Or this is how it, I think of, of this story. It's just like, this is going to be research. There's going to be substance to this. So, um, yeah, get excited. This is, this is some, Cool stuff coming out from Steel Lake Studio right yeah, now. Yeah, looking forward to it very much, just like I'm looking forward to going right into our main topic today. We are continuing on with our theme of romantic slash romantic comedy movies over the next few episodes. And today, we're talking about one of my personal favorites, one of mine and my wife's favorite movies to watch as a couple, it's hilarious, it's fun, the romance is cool, the comedy is great, and the main character is just a goofy guy who I feel like I can relate to, even though we're not that similar, I can relate to the goofiness. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about the one and only Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, yeah. man. This is uh, this was a, a movie that has always been in my life ever since I saw it for the first time in 2008. I don't watch it all the like every year, but there's there's moments in my life where I'm just really feeling forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I don't there's there's a charm to this movie. I don't know what it is. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. We'll get into the details of it, but there's something about this movie, man. Whether it's the cast whether it's the the Hawaiian exotic setting, whether it's the story, the strange puppeteering <laughs> at the end of the story. I don't know what it is about the story, but there's something charming about it that just, it, it's not like it's a complex rom-com. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's just a, a dude trying to get over a girl after a devastating breakup. Mm -hmm. That's basically the storyline. Um, but before we get into the movie, we got to talk about what was going on in 2008, man. 2008 was a crazy year. It was. Crazy year. I was turning 18, mm -hmm. you know, going into senior, senior year of year high, high school, school man. heading into senior year. So tell us, Cody, what was going on? Tell us a little bit about 2008, So man. a few interesting things about 2008. 2008 in the United States of America was actually a pretty groundbreaking year because of the fact that Barack Obama won the presidential election in 2008, making him the first African-American to become president of the United States, which when you think about it, the country that's been around for 200 years, the 200 plus years, the fact it took us this long to get an African-American president seems kind of ridiculous. Like, not even kind of. It just, just does seem ridiculous that it took that long. But great yeah. milestone. Um, a, a you know, a, I, I always look at Barack Obama as somebody who, regardless of what you think about him politically, definitely a good political face to the country, great guy, family person, and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, held up to traditional American values and always wanted what was best for this country. 
But uh, one thing I do want to point out is as we've kind of talked about the world of politics, right? We have Barack Obama, who is president. Something that I do want to point out is we have talked about this television show numerous times on Parallel Quest now. In 2002, it was the top television show being American Idol. And in 2008, six years later, it's still the top television show. That is The number one slot... (laughs) American Idol Wednesday on Fox, the number two slot, American Idol Tuesday on Fox, and then Dancing with the Stars number three, which it's just like, okay, like, I feel like this also points to the very specific demographic of the types of people who are still watching television. Like, Mm -hmm. by the time 2008 and 2009 rolls around, you start to have the big divide start to occur in how people watch TV, right? Like you and I are of the generation where it's like, we don't really watch TV. It's like, if we're going to watch a show, it's going to be on Hulu, Netflix, something like that. And so uh, those the streaming services were just starting to be a thing yeah. in, mm-hmm. in 2008, which when you think about it, like I remember having a Netflix subscription my freshman year of college and you had the mm-hmm. Netflix subscription so you could have a male movies to your house. And like the whole streaming yeah. thing, that was like, oh, that was like a bonus. Like that's not why you got Netflix. Yeah. That was like a little added benefit, right? And, and so it was I, so funny because I never watched the streaming. Like now it's that's the only way to consume mm-hmm. Netflix. But yeah. at that time, you were still like that's when Redbox came out and it was like a big thing. Like you could go to some janky grocery store and get a dollar movie at Redbox, and so th- we were still in that mindset of like we need the physical copy to play this is when we still had dvd players like nobody has that anymore but this is when we had D- still and would get movies from netflix so we could play on our dvd and then occasion and they didn't have a lot of movies to select from on their streaming to be fair so like there wasn't much to really watch on Netflix streaming. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it like it is now where anything you can think of is streaming. But back then I remember all the good movies were being shipped to you via DVD. Oh, all yeah. the recent ones. Yeah. Like the ones you actually wanted to see were on DVD and then some old movie like Citizen Kane was streaming. You know that, but you know it's yeah, all and in I, there. But, in, in a lot of the streaming, too, was very much like amateur types of movies. Um, mm. I don't know if I can say this. Yeah, I can definitely say this. But there was like some steamy types of movies on Netflix. Like, that was a thing early on in Netflix. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. what the yeah. heck is this? Oh, <laughs> yeah. what? That's awkward. You could tell <laughs> Netflix was trying to find their, like, branding, their avenue they were trying to go with. They were trying yeah. everything. And, and also another thing, though, one thing I will say is that even early on with Netflix is that shows were kind of part of its DNA pretty early on. Like, I remember streaming Heroes and being able to catch up on Lost on Netflix way back when um, because they were available on there. And I thought that that was pretty cool because I didn't have to watch ads. I remember thinking having to watch a 10-second ad when I watched Lost on ABC.com was ridiculous. And I was like, you got to watch a full like commercial break when you're watching Hulu. It's absurd. Like, what oh, the I know. heck, man? you got to watch a whole minute of commercials on YouTube just to Our- see a three-minute video of an interview. I remember thinking, like, oh, man, these 10-second ads are so annoying. But anyway, now that's just, like, 
you know, t- you know, internet is TV. But yeah. we're talking about fun stuff here, but we do have to talk about something serious. In 2008, we did have the housing crisis, which was considered the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. And that's pretty crazy to think about because, like, it was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And it's not that long ago, man. And, and times were really tough. And fortunately, I came from a family where my family was decently prepared for a crisis like this. Like, it definitely hurt my family quite a bit. But fortunately, my parents, you know, saved responsibly. They didn't have all their money wrapped up in in Wall Street, which was you know good for them oh Um, just ruined at that point yeah and but anyway even though the housing crisis of 2008 was a terrible thing i it did give us one of the most interesting non-fiction books and movies that i've ever seen in the big Mm -hmm. short and zach i gotta ask you have you ever read or watched the big short i watched it and it's actually it was one of the first movies that I watched with my wife where my wife had seen it before I had. Mm-hmm. And she's anybody who's listened to this podcast long enough. You know, she's notorious for <laughs> not remembering anything she ever watches. Mm-hmm. But this one, she remembered this one. She was like, this is a great movie. And I remember there were some complex things they were talking about. Like I understood why to an extent that housing crisis happened, but I didn't really know the details of it and then how you could really bet against it and make money. I Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that at all. So obviously they go into that in the movie, but I was really happy to have Leah there to help also explain on top of the movie trying to explain because the movie explains it, but then they're moving on because it's a movie and I don't really have, I'm the kind of person where if I hear something kind of complex, I got to sit there and, mull it over a little bit and really Mm -hmm. think about it and you can't do that when you're watching a movie so but yeah i i saw that movie uh, i saw that movie very late like it came out a few years after 2008 and then i saw it like years later um but yeah i remember it It was really good really really good it was it was a fantastic movie i remember seeing it and being just like totally entrenched in it and it actually it spurred up a huge interest in me to read the uh, to read more like story based nonfiction type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have I've read the book. Uh, reading the book does help to slow down and really take in the technicalities of why the market crashed. But even still, it's it's a complicated thing. Kind of understanding mm-hmm. the fact that there's like. Prime mortgages, subprime mortgages, there's like triple B ratings, you know, all this types of stuff. And it's like, well, this is this is a lot to kind of, you know, think through. But mainly the moral of the story is is that there is a lot of wealthy types who just were just betting on people's livelihoods, you know, and mm-hmm. and a lot of stockbrokers and all of these huge uh, firms, a lot of them didn't really have to pay that hard of a penalty. Like, yes, like Lehman Brothers had to close down, but all of mm. like all of the wealthiest people there still walked away yeah. really rich while all their middle management and all of that and all the lower traders, like their lives yeah. are totally destroyed. But yeah, it was a, 
it was a bruise on the uh, Obama administration sure. for bailing out the banks for sure. Um, but at the same time, Michael Lewis with the big short broke into the game pretty big, man. Yeah. And if anybody's ever heard of Michael Lewis, they would know his works. But a lot of people would know his works without knowing mm-hmm. who Michael Lewis is, I think. Moneyball, right? Um, he wrote Moneyball. He wrote The Blind Side. He wrote The Big Short. Did he write Console Wars? He did not write Console Wars. That's Blake something. Um, Blake something wrote Console Wars. But right there, I mean, those are three huge books slash mm-hmm. blockbuster movies. I mean, I bought I bought the Moneyball book, and it's fantastic. Yeah. It's very well written, very dense with just statistics, but it's a whole world of baseball that you never even thought existed. And Michael Lewis does an extremely good job of fleshing out high-level, complex stories. He, he does a good job of taking complex ideas and pairing them with really good stories and engaging the reader that way. So um, really, I mean... Michael Lewis might have the big short to kind of, you know, thank for his career. I mean, he'd written Moneyball and Blindside before then, yeah. but I think, but I think did did Blindside come out before the Big Short? I think it did. It did like yeah, the quite actual a, movie, quite a bit before. I believe Big Short came out in like 2015. The movie did. I think the book might have okay. been around like 2012. Um, but yeah, okay. the movie came out in 2015 because I remember. This is what I remember. I could I could be wrong, but I feel like I remember going to see Star Wars The Force Awakens and seeing the poster for The Big Short at the theater and I'm like, "Oh man, those are all guys I really like in that movie. I feel like I need mm. to see that." And I'm kind of would rather yeah. see that than Star Wars. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I, I saw oh, Star man. Wars and then like a week later I went back for uh The Big Short and it was great. It's so good. Great yeah. movie. But but yeah, man, that's uh that was a devastating thing to happen in 2008. Um, but on some happier, well, maybe not so happier news, but I wanted to run just through a couple statistics here. All right. Um, the cost of gas in 2008 pretty similar to what it is today. It's 339, 339 in 2008. Yeah, gas prices were high in 08. Yeah, two, they were pretty much the same as they are now um here's something crazy a new car the average new car basically twenty eight thousand dollars which hey you know 13 years later uh, you could probably get a car for around twenty seven thousand dollars a nice car probably a foreign car but you could get a nice car for twenty eight thousand dollars so that's that's pretty good that's that's nice um, the number one song, I told you this before the, before we started recording, but the number one song in 2008, everyone will know this song. Everyone remembers low by flow by Flo rider, rider yeah. featuring the one and only T-Pain, man. <laughs> T-Pain. Oh God. Flow rider put on the map with low. This was played at every college dance party like that i ever attended and played in every dorm uh i could not get away from this song ever since 2008 so and then the boots with the fur the boots whole club was looking at her 
Oh my Everywhere gosh. Everywhere I mean, you I went. I even hear it. I even hear it at work sometimes. They'll play music in the back and I'll hear it come on. And I'll go, gosh, I hate this song. It was on all the time, man. It was good when it came out and then it kept being played. And it was like the only song on the radio, I feel like. So, Low by Flo Rider, the number one song of 2008. What was the number one movie, Cody? Number one movie of 2008 was The Dark Knight, which is one of the best movies ever made. And the second highest grossing film is a movie that we've talked about extensively on this podcast, Iron Man. So mm. so there, there was two pretty good movies there. I mean, you got The Dark Knight, Iron Man, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is meh, and Hancock. Which I like. I know not a lot of you know. Not, it wasn't everybody's taste. I thought Hancock was entertaining. Wall-E, Kung Fu Panda, Twilight, Madagascar, Escape to Africa, Quantum of Solace, and Dr. Seuss. Horton Hears Who were the highest-grossing films of 2008. Um, but one thing I do nice. want to talk about here, real quick, is uh, the award winners here uh, for Academy Awards: Slumdog Millionaire, Best Picture. That was a pretty good movie. Uh, Best actor, Sean Penn in a movie called Milk. I've heard the movie's good, never seen oh, it. Oh, it's so good. You got to see that. Okay. It's incredible. Best actress, Kate Winslet in a movie called The Reader. Best supporting actor, Heath Ledger in a in a, in a small little film called The Dark Knight. <laughs> and best supporting actress, Penelope Cruz in Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which is a ridiculously absurd film, in my opinion. How it got an award, I have no idea. But anyway, those are some award winners for you. Those are the movies from 2008 that the Academy thinks everybody should see. And I can definitely say you'll at least enjoy The Dark Knight, and Zach thinks you'll enjoy Milk, and Slumdog mm-hmm. Millionaire is a good movie. Um, maybe slightly overrated, but hey, that's and it's just one man's opinion. Hey, it's a good one, though. It's a good one. But we're All not, those are good. We're not here. We're not here to talk about... You know, The Dark Knight and its greatness, or Slumdog Millionaire and its greatness. We're here to talk about a film that is its own type of great, and that is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Starring Jason Siegel, Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, and Russell Brand, with a guest appearance by the always charming Paul Rudd. And this is a movie that, in my opinion, is one of the best, if not the best, breakup film ever made. Mainly because there is a side to guys, right? There's a side to guys that's like masculine and tough and gritty. But there's also a side to men, most men, even your most masculine and testosterone-filled of men, who when their hearts are broken, they just turn into a shell of themselves. And while Jason Siegel in Forgetting Sarah Marshall is definitely a huge hyperbole of that, I feel like he encapsulates really well within his character of just how miserable 
guys can be in breakups because we see it all the time in entertainment and we hear all the stories about the girls crying over the relationship breakup and all that. But in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, we get to see the flip side. The guy Mm. who's supposed to be the stoic and stable figure in a relationship get all bent out of shape because of his broken relationship with someone who he has no business even being with. Mm. Um, the movie star Sarah, uh, movie star or television star, television, television star, star. Yes. Sarah Marshall. Uh, so Zach, why don't you give us a little bit of the story plot summary of the romance between Peter Bretter and Sarah Marshall? How it all comes to a fall, and how Peter eventually finds love. Yeah. So we start off with Peter, Peter Bretter. He's a He's a, a, a up and coming. Well, no, he's actually a, a a musician for the show that Sarah Marshall is on, mm-hmm. and he's trying to break through in other ways to the industry. But he's just more famously known for tones on the show, <laughs> and he just kind of he's the guy that just in the background because Sarah Marshall is on this show that's very CSI-like, and it's kind of making fun of CSI because it's just real over the top with the innuendos and just the ridiculousness of the show. And so Peter Bretter is the guy that does the background music, and he's always kind of in the background. Even when he's with Sarah, he's in the background just supporting her, loving her. He's giving his all to her. Do you remember the name of the show? I do do not, no. (laughs) It's called Crime Scene, Scene of the Crime. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right oh it's such a good day crime scene scene of the crime (laughs) so they both work on this show together sarah marshall is obviously the star and she's very well known throughout hollywood so we start off the movie where she comes to visit peter at his apartment and peter's really excited to see her but Sarah's got some bad news. Sarah wants to break up after five years, five years of intimate relationship, of getting to know each other, of supporting each other's careers, or at least Peter supporting Sarah's career. And Sarah's like, I'm done. We're done. I'm seeing another guy, basically. And do you remember what Peter is wearing when she breaks (laughs) up with him? Peter's wearing a towel. <laughs> Isn't he? Well, at first, he's stark naked. Oh, right? Because yeah, he, he flashes her, opens the towel, flashes her, and he's like goofing around as she breaks up with him while he's stark naked. <laughs> yes. Stark naked, breaks up with him. I mean, cut a man down when he's just the at his most at vulnerable. vulnerable. <laughs> just at his most vulnerable. Cut him down, break up with him. And so Peter goes into this just, you know, apathetic, destroyed, you know, rampage in a way. He just doesn't really care about his job anymore. He's just goofing around there. He destroys the set when he's on, when he's like recording because, you know, he's sitting there recording the music and Sarah's face comes up because he's got to watch the scenes and he throws the chair at this at her face and just hates her. And so he ends up talking to Bill Hader, his his friend. <laughs> and 
Bill, basically Bill Hader and his wife, I believe she is, who have a great <laughs> relationship. Yeah. And, you know, Peter hates that they have a great relationship. He kind of, I think it's his brother, him. isn't it? His, his brother or his stepbrother. It's his stepbrother, that's right? That's right. It's his stepbrother. Yeah. That's right. So he basically, Bill Hader suggests, why don't you go on a vacation? Why don't you just get away? Stop thinking about her. Just get out. And so... Jason Segel's finally like, fine, I'm going to go to just Hawaii. I'm just going to get out, just go to the place I wanted to go, goes to Hawaii. Lo and behold, after checking into his room, he sees Sarah Marshall (laughs) (laughs) with her boyfriend, my favorite person in this entire movie, (laughs) Aldous Snow, (laughs) a.k.a. Russell (laughs) Brand. And so, but Sarah Marshall's dating this like British pop star singer who's just the the embodiment of just sexual energy. Like mm-hmm. that is that yeah. is what yeah. Aldous Snow is. And so, everywhere Aldous Snow goes on this island, people know who he is. Just adore him. I mean, even Jonah Hill's in this movie as the Jonah waiter. Oh yeah, yeah. Who, like. Just loves out his snow. And so <laughs> Jason Siegel now has to deal with the fact that he is in paradise with his ex-girlfriend. And they continue to run into each other because it's a small island. And they're just he's trying to do new things and fun things. And he just can't get over Sarah because Sarah's just always there. And they actually, I think they have a room right next to each other, unfortunately. <laughs> I think so. like, yeah, they, they do. They up- yeah. Booking the same room like <laughs> next to each other so he's got to hear them all the time and so, so as the story goes on peter eventually ship with rachel who is the front desk person who is uh, mila kunis's character and they start forming a relationship mm-hmm. and they both have been hurt in the past in certain ways well obviously we know peter has and so he slowly starts opening up to Mila and Mila starts, you know, opening up to him. And so there's all this dynamic going on with these four characters. And eventually it kind of it's to the point where that Sarah's starting to have feelings for Peter again. And she doesn't really know what to do with that. Peter certainly doesn't know what to do with that because at this point in the movie, he has strong feelings for Rachel and wants to be with Rachel. And so Sarah kind of throws herself at Peter once again, just to try and get him back. And Peter doesn't really know what to do with it, but he's kind of like, okay, I'll go with this. And they're in their room and they're doing adult things in the room, but Peter's not really into it. And you can tell he's not into it. And that is when Rachel I think she like walks in on it or no, no, she doesn't walk in on it. She, he leaves and goes and tells her what happened. And she's just like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. And she's like, but you still did it. <laughs> He's just like, no, no, that's not the point. Like I I'm free basically because I don't have that attraction to Sarah anymore. And he kind of ruins his relationship with Rachel there for a bit. And, um, I think Rachel ends up talking to like one of the chefs and he's just like, do you realize for a man to like turn down someone like Sarah Marshall like that, like that guy loves you. And so in the end, Peter ends up with Rachel and all, all along Peter's been working on this like vampire 
puppet rock opera. musical. Yeah, he calls like, it a rock, rock opera. opera. Yeah. That's yeah, that's right. Like the entire movie, there's like that subtle storyline of him just talking about it, working it out. He plays a couple songs here and there, which are actually pretty good yeah. in my opinion. I thought I really enjoyed it. So the 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 end of the movie is Peter playing the rock, like the ending to the rock opera to like all of his friends and stuff. And he actually gets to do what he wants. And it's a, it's a very upbeat ending because he gets, he gets the girl he's over Sarah and he also gets to perform his rock opera. Out of snow goes back to being out of snow. Sarah Marshall goes back to being Sarah Marshall. His band and, name you know, is infant after- sorrow. Infant, infant sorrow. sorrow. <laughs> infant sorrow. Oh man. But so anyway, so that is forgetting Sarah Marshall in a nutshell. Um, if you wanted the short version, it's just a guy trying to get over a girl on vacation and he ends up meeting his ex-girlfriend on vacation and ends up with a better girl Um, for him. He ends up with a better girl. Um, to run through some stats here, uh, IMDB gave this a 7.1 out of 10. Pretty good. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato tomato meter. Ooh, that's a tough one to say. Eighty three percent, which I this is actually surprising to me. Seventy six percent was the audience okay. score. So I, I I thought the audience would be a little higher, but you know it being uh, produced by Judd Apatow, like this is all of his friends are in this movie. It seems like, um, but yeah, seventy six for the audience, eighty three. For Rotten Tomatoes, and then Movie Crit or uh, Metacritic gave it a 67 and a user score of 7.5. Okay. So all around, pretty good reviews yeah. for it being kind of a I don't want to say cliche, but it's not really trying to do anything spectacular. Yeah, it's just trying to tell a good story with some funny characters, some really funny characters. Paul Rudd, one of my it's probably my second favorite character. I just know is by far my favorite, but Paul Rudd <laughs> is the the surf instructor who's you know always a little stoned, and he's like trying to teach Peter how to surf, <laughs> and he's like, okay, you gotta you're you're doing too much, man. You're doing too okay. Well, you gotta do less. You got even less now. Okay, well now you're not doing anything. You're just laying there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "All right, well, we'll just get out there. We'll figure it's like it your out." Like typical, like your very stereotypical, like Hawaiian beach stoner, you know, yeah. <laughs> just like what everyone thinks someone who would work at a surf shop in Hawaii is like. That's the stereotype. Well, what's his actual name? Like uh, Chuck Paul Rudd, Chuck Chuck Kunu, but he Kunu. Kunu. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "I'm Kunu." Well, my real name's Chuck. But... Call me Kunu. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives him he, he christens peter with his hawaiian name called ppop uh, so and like the thing that i think i think comedy in general is typically like very contemporary and it kind of hits a target audience like i can't imagine my mom and dad sitting down and like having the time of their life watching this movie and maybe mm-hmm. you know if the generation younger than us just might think this is stupid it might not strike with them but this is like for me this is one of the best comedies that uh came out in, in around this time and i think the, yeah. the funny thing about it is is that a lot of these people too when this movie came out were relatively 
unknown. Like Jason Siegel was on How I Met Your Mother, but I feel like this was kind of like his big breakthrough into being a, a big star. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Kristen Bell, she was like in and out. Like Kristen Bell's character is based off of like Kristen Bell, right? Being on Veronica Mars and all of that. Like it's mm-hmm. just like very heavy handed. Yeah. Mila Kunis was big on that 70s show, but hadn't really broken into like the movie game yet. She hadn't been around in forever mm-hmm. too up until this point. Like I remember watching this movie and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I haven't seen her since that 70s yeah. show. And I think who's Bill Hader? I mean, he was big on Saturday Night Live, but he was he did a ton of minor yeah. roles before he really took off. Um, but I have to see here. Was this a Judd Apatow movie? Yes. So he's produced. So this it. was yeah, produced he... by Judd Apatow, who's basically like he's got a lot of connections and yeah. probably. I mean, and he makes he makes good movies, yeah. man. I mean, we're talking, you know, super bad. Pineapple Express, mm-hmm. forgetting Sarah Marshall, he produced. So I mean, he's got, he, you know, a Judd Apatow movie because the same people mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. He's got the same cast. It's like when you see a Scorsese yeah. film, he usually has the same running cast of people he likes to work with. And so, like, uh, dude, the one guy that I saw in this movie that I hadn't seen in probably since the beginning of high school was Jack McBrayer or. The guy that plays Daryl. Do you remember him in the movie? He's the guy yeah, that's yeah, with he's from 30 his Rock. wife yeah. there. Yeah, he's from 30 Rock. So I saw him in, oh man, it was like, I think it was 30 Rock, but I hadn't seen him in so long. And when I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, he plays the same character in every <laughs> movie. Does. But like, he's very typecasted. I, I, he's very typecasted, but he's always in those, um, like, the Talladega Nights mm-hmm. kind of movie. Like he's usually with like these over the top slapstick comedy yeah. movies. So this was like, this is not really a slapstick comedy movie, but this is like, your lights are yeah, flashing someone, there, man. The, so gonna, the lights are on the outside of the door. So someone uh, probably okay. flickered the lights. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's like in those movies that are usually more slapsticky. So this one, like, isn't so much slapstick humor, but it's got those little yeah. bit of elements. It's got some stupid humor, I guess, or lowbrow humor. Yeah. But um, yeah, I saw him and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen him in forever. So yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people that came under the radar in this movie. Um, Jonah Hill wasn't really huge right. yet. Yeah. Like he wasn't a household name. Um, I, I think even Paul Rudd was still kind of just making his way through Hollywood. Yeah, I mean Paul Rudd, he'd already been in like Anchorman and he'd been in quite a bit by this oh, point. That's right. That's um right. That's right. But yeah, I mean this is kind of like a launching point for a lot of people or like an you know, a, a growth point. Kind of how we talked about last last week with Ten Things I Hate About You. This is kind of a growth point for a lot of these actors and actresses, mm-hmm. although a lot of these were more established careers. But so I, I've gotta ask you about have you ever met anyone in real life who is close in personality to Aldous Snow? Oh my gosh. Dude, honestly, yes. You have. Because I've uh, never met anyone quite I've, like that. Not to that extreme, but to someone like he, Aldous Snow is a character that is pure passion. 
He is pure. Whatever my carnal desires feel (laughs) is what I go with. Yeah. And what's funny is Russell Brand is an extremely deep thinker. Like Russell Brand as a person is very much both out of snow, but not out of snow. It's a weird mix. Um, I'll get to the person I met that reminds me of him, but what I want to talk about first is, 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 um, Russell Brand because he's like, he's such a great character in this movie because of who Russell Brand is. And if he, have you ever done any research on Russell Brand or like know about his past and stuff of like, Drug addiction, yeah, like just yeah. substance abuse. Just he, he was like the classic druggy tr- trying to be actor and comedian. He's comedian, yeah. And he just he he overcame that, and that's a huge part of his message mm-hmm. is that he was able to overcome that by willpower. He was he overcame that by making decisions in his life that. He had to get help. He had to do certain things in order to make himself right because he knew he was probably going to end up dead. And so for a portion of his life, he was out of snow. He just – anything I felt, that's what I did. I thought that was what was right. What, like how could my body lead me, lead me the wrong way? That's what I did. And so in a way, he is out of snow. But in a way, he's not because if you ever hear him speak, like he's an extremely deep thinker. Also – hilarious comedian like really Mm -hmm. witty dry humor at times but just like he's quick man yeah and he's a much different guy when he's performing and then when he's not too because because like whenever you hear him like interviewed in a podcast and a lot of it has to do with like his you know newfound spirituality but like he's he doesn't really joke around a lot. Like unless he's performing as a comedian, he's a pretty serious yeah. guy, which is interesting, yeah. you know, cause a lot yeah. of comedians still are pretty light, have a lot of levity when they have normal conversations. But Russell Brand is like, he's very serious. Oh yeah. He's, he's very serious. Likes getting down into the metaphysics of things. Um, but I, so to get to, the guy that I met, I met a guy, this is when I was traveling around in Bali, Indonesia, and we were coming off, we spent like five days on this island off of Bali. It was a great experience, ton of fun, but we met this guy and we met him on the island and he had been living, he was a British guy living on the island and he was a painter. So he was like living in this, bungalow just painting these pictures but the the he was like an electric person when he spoke to you it was like you felt him talking to you he was just really passionate about everything he was talking about and he i remember he was talking to us about how he had just read game of thrones like one of the books for game of thrones mm-hmm. and he was just going on and on about just how he thought the way the I mean, this obviously before we knew how it was going to end, but how he thought it was going to go and who was the true king and how who was going to die next. And but he his opinions on it were just grounded in passion, just like he you couldn't tell him he was wrong, not because he was actually wrong, but because he felt that way. Mm-hmm. You would be like contending with his feelings. And so we like we ended up running into him. when We were coming off of uh, this island and 
we were in Ubud and we were heading to a hostel. We were like, where are you going to stay, man? He's just like, I don't know, mate. He's like, I'm going to find somewhere because someone's going to want a painting and I'm just going to like paint for them and they'll let me stay there. Don't worry about me. We're like, all right, like, I guess (laughs) that's what you do. And, but yeah, so I have met a guy that reminds me of out of snow in the sense of like just passion and like, I don't know about like, you know, the, the sexual part of Alice's passion, <laughs> but which is what he really represents in yeah. the movie. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I have met a guy at some level of, of that, you know, exuberance that Aldous Snow always has. Um, nice. but, yeah, but yeah, Aldous Snow, dude, he's, oh, he's such a funny character. Man. Oh, so funny. I mean, he's he's definitely probably the funniest character in the movie. But yeah. I, I do. I I gotta gotta say, I really like Peter's character. In so this is a little bit of a mix of my initial impact and why I like the character of of Peter so much, and I think why I enjoy this movie quite a bit is because I remember the first time I saw this movie was actually quite a few years after it came out because. It was a movie that my wife and I got very similar to, like when we were talking about the Bourne movies the other week. Oh yeah, we like found it in like a five dollar bin at a Walmart. We were out like getting our groceries or something one day, and we go, we're like, oh, let's see what these five dollar movies are, right? Like cheap date night, and mm-hmm. forgetting Sarah Marshall was right on top. The director's cut, and I was like, I've always heard this is a pretty funny movie. Uh, we should watch it. And so we watch it together and like we're just dying laughing the whole time because it's it's just like it just has so many funny movie mo- moments and Jason Siegel is just great at playing that character like he's mm. just so believable as the just like fell hard fell in love gave all of himself to the person he was with right like one of my yeah. one of my favorite parts in the in the movie is when sarah wants to get aldis to wear that stupid shirt right and he's like i don't want to wear this shirt this shirt's hideous <laughs> and, and then she like flashes back to all the stupid clothes that that uh yeah. peter would wear right like the dumb hats but you like my hat my girlfriend got it for me you like my yeah. shirt my girlfriend got it for me and just like that type of guy you know and and the reality is is I've I can relate because I've been at that point where like you were the person you know giving it all for a relationship and then like you know and then what happened is after seeing this movie is it spurred on a conversation between my wife and I we started talking about you know some of our worst breakups right like we had talked about it in the past before we were married but after watching the movie we kind of talked about like yeah these are some of the worst ones and this is how it happened and so i kind of had a, a very similar experience to to peter with a breakup when i was in high school right like really down yeah. and sad however like what does happen in those moments in life is that sometimes when you're broken down it does harden you up a little bit because I can honestly say like when I have had my most hurt and gone through my most emotional of times when similar things happen in the future this might sound bad and maybe this isn't the way you should live but it just doesn't hurt as much as the as the first time right it's like you're kind of hard and you're like ah 
I've been through this crap before, and we'll be fine, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, can't, can't hurt me anymore. Like, there's, there's a very short list of things that can happen in my life that would really, really break me down, and obviously that would be, like, the loss of a family member or, like, chronic illness falling to my wife or one of my kids, of course. That would tear yeah. me up. Um, but... You know, most of the other stuff in life, it's like the first time it happens, it like really sucks. Like, mm -hmm. so for anybody out there who, if you are with the the love of your life and it just doesn't work out, or you recently went through a you know a tough breakup and it was the first love and all of that, just know, like it really hurts and it really sucks, but like you can get hardened and toughened up. You know, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that when bad things happen, you shouldn't have emotions, but. You know, sometimes mm. the first time you go through something like that is the worst, right? Because it's just totally yeah. blindsided. Like one day, yeah, it's fresh, yeah. man. It's it's deep and it's fresh, and it's the first you experience that loss or heartbreak or whatever. And yeah, I I mean, it's funny you say that because you do kind of think that after your first major breakup, mm -hmm. you think like, all right, this sucks, this hurts, but it probably gets easier from here. Like I've done the the heavy yeah. lifting. Like this is, this is going to be the worst. And if this is the worst and I can still function and do what I want to do and like whatever that is, the next time it happens, if it happens, it's probably not going to be like first time. Mm -hmm. Beginning <clears throat> of the episode, man, is this is a, What's really good about this movie is that it shows the guy's perspective. Mm -hmm. And you're so right that there are so many movies, most rom-coms or just like romantic movies are from the woman's perspective. And that's fine. What I'm not trying to make a statement there. I'm just saying that you don't get many that show the vulnerable side mm -hmm. of guys. And you said that like, well, we're tough. Like we're supposed to be masculine and like not feel any things, mm -hmm. but like guys have that. We just process it kind of in the way, not, we're not going to Hawaii to process it, but like we process it in a way like Peter yeah. does where it's, you don't really feel like eating. You don't really do anything. You just kind of, the world just seems a little dimmer when mm -hmm. something like that happens. And so I, I, I agree with that. And that's why like my, my initial impact is similar to that. It it made me think about my breakup I had in high school. And then like I had seen this movie right after I broke up with another girl in high school. Um, and this was like in 2011 or something like that. I saw this for the first time mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I don't like that. I relate to him like that, but I kind of do like to, Jason Segel's character. And I, I watched this movie by myself. I had found it in a $5 bin mm -hmm. at Walmart. There you go. And it might have been around like the same time. It might have been. The, yeah. And I, I remember I brought it home. I had a MacBook like laptop and I popped it into there. And I just sat at my desk at my house and I watched this. And I remember thinking like, man, this is a great movie. Like, yeah. I, I can't believe I'm watching this by myself in my room. <laughs> but this is like an excellent movie. And... It it made I, when it was over. It made me think about my, the breakup I just had, like going into the to college, and then it made me think about my 
first high school breakup and just how the the two are completely separate but also intertwined and just how my emotions and like how I felt about them and it was funny because the second breakup was way worse than the first one at the time mm-hmm. but it also like you said it kind of makes you harder and you kind yeah. of just know what to expect as you go forward um but yeah i i, I had a similar similar uh, experience with watching this on dvd from a five dollar bid yeah and, and you know like another funny thing about it is too is and this might this might not be a thing for everybody but part of the healing process i think sometimes for some people is being able to laugh at yourself like to to kind of observe like when you're doing a little bit of self self-loathing and when you're starting to feel bad for yourself when there's like a lot of self-pity involved sometimes you just got to laugh at yourself and what forgetting Sarah Marshall allows you to do is if even if a guy or girl if you're the person who's just feeling bad for yourself like the movie does a really good job of visualizing that in such a way to where you can laugh at it. And then when you're being the miserable bloke who just can't get up off your couch and go to work or do something normal, well, this is kind of what you look like. And it's silly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe you need a vacation. Maybe you need a break. And, you know, it's yeah. it's kind of that subtle message that's like it's, it's fun, right? Because it's so relatable for so many people. But also mm. there's kind of the deeper like, hey, you know, if this is you, you're laughing at it now, but don't let the outside world be laughing at you. Get over it. Move on. And yeah, and I like yeah. I like when stories can do that. I like when films can do that. Kind of be both entertaining and funny and fun. But when you think of them on them in a deeper level, it's like, okay, well, I I need to get off off my butt and you know make my you know dream rock opera with puppets or whatever it is for you. You know, yeah. and yeah. move on with life and. That's that's yeah. one thing I really like about this one. Yeah, it does. It gets to that point where it's like, all right, you need to you need to either get up and move on, or you're just gonna sit here on your couch eating stale cereal. <laughs> I gotta sneeze. Bless you. <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk quickly here about uh, the lasting impact. And to talk about lasting impact, I think everyone kind of can understand from our discussion we both like it. But one thing I have to say that is a lasting impact from this movie, it's a quote that I use all of the time. So anyway, um, in the movie, Peter has a big, huge plastic uh, plastic uh, container for his cereal, right? And yeah. and then these like giant bowls of cereal. He like <laughs> eats cereal by the gigantic bowl. And I myself yeah. like I like I like cereal. Like I think I think it's good. I've I still eat cereal from time to time as an adult. And you know I just remember that it was a line I would quote all the time whenever. You know, Haas and I would go out and we'd see those little containers and be like, "Oh, we should, we should get some of those so that we can have the freshest cereal, right?" Because <laughs> because he says that in the movie, he's like, "Sarah got this for me because I would always <laughs> leave the cereal box open and it gets stale, but she gave me this, and now whenever I have cereal, I have the freshest cereal. <laughs> it's like I always have the freshest cereal. I always have the freshest cereal, and so <laughs> I used to always say that." Um, 
when, when <laughs> whenever we'd see those things in the store or whatever. And then yeah. once we had kids and we actually kind of started to have like multiple different types of cereals and all of that, I came home one day and my wife was like, oh, hey, I want you to check something out in the cabinets. And I open it up, and there it is, like in the cabinets, the containers with all the cereal. And she's like, I got those for you so that we can have the freshest cereal. <laughs> it's oh, I love like, it, man. It's like an ongoing like ins- you know, joke that we always say to each other. So that- that's one thing I love about this movie is like my my wife just thinks it's so funny. I think it's so funny. And something I do mm-hmm. have to point out, too, is like there are, there are certain aspects of comedy that – Sometimes with Haas, like not all comedy, she she doesn't think it's all as funny as I do. She in particular kind of like doesn't connect with stand up comedy as much as I do. But the fact that this one mm. landed for both of us is like, ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Oh, good dude, that's awesome. So, that's so funny. Oh, man. So my lasting impact. Um, first of all, I love just quoting Paul Rudd and. <laughs> Just saying, P P P O P. Like this, that's one of my favorite lines from this. Um, one line I also say all the time, and this is why this movie will always stick with me because I couldn't remember why I said this, but it wasn't until recently when I was watching this movie with Leah that this line came up, and I think it was Paul Rudd who said it too, and I was like, in that moment. I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I say that line. So anytime someone talks about the weather or mentions something about snow or it'll just come. I don't know why I say it sometimes, but I'll just say, I'll say the line. Well, the weather outside is weather. (laughs) And I I love, I, I I would, I'll just say that sometimes like just for no reason. I'll say it if the the weather's bad outside (laughs) Or if Leah asks what the weather's like, I'll just say, well, the weather outside is weather. <laughs> and so we're watching this movie, and at one point, Paul Rudd says that, like on the beach or something, uh-huh. and Leah turns to me, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's why you say that. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know why I that's said awesome. that. Like, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I was like, I for- completely forgot it was from this movie. I knew it was from a movie. I would say that, but... So that to me always like I take that away from the movies <laughs> that one line but I also take away the 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 theme of like dealing with the breakup in in moderation like this yeah. is an extreme way to yeah, deal with the absolutely. breakup and this is not a healthy way to deal with a breakup um maybe if he just kind of worked on his op- rock opera and like looked for someone in LA, it might be a little Mm -hmm. more reasonable, but like healthy ways of getting over a breakup or something difficult because relationships, we're going to be talking about a lot of them this month because we're doing rom-coms, but like relationships are messy and they're, they're tough sometimes and they don't work out, but there's always another person. And that's what kind of this movie is saying is like, there's probably someone else that fits you a little bit better and maybe not perfectly because that's asking too much of another person mm-hmm. but fit you a little more than the last person did and may, not saying the last person was bad it probably it could have worked out but it didn't and so there's someone else out there that you know fits into your like 
life a little bit better than the previous person. And that's, you know, what Peter found with, you know, Rachel is she appreciated his goofiness and she would call him out on his self pitying and his self loathing. Cause it's just like, well, we all have done something dumb or stupid or something we regret or like, we've all done something hard like that. Different. You just gotta, you know, jump, you gotta get out. Um, so I, I, I always like the theme of this movie as well. Um, and the music man from mm-hmm. out of snow is, yeah. Something we cannot sing on this podcast. <laughs> legendary. Uh, yeah, legendary. Well, man, uh, I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up here on Forgetting Sarah Marshall. A little bit of a shorter episode than normal, but that's all right. Guys, we'll uh, wrap it up here a little bit early today. But anyway, Zach, anything you would like to say before we head out? Um, Go watch this movie. This is a great movie. Um. You can watch it with your significant other. I mean, it's a fun movie to watch with somebody, and you'll probably see a lot of yourself and your significant other self in this movie. And if anything, watch it for Paul Rudd and, you know, Russell Brand. A little bit of a caveat, though. This is not a family romantic comedy, so don't watch this one with the kids. (laughs) This is definitely for for adults only. So so just uh, I feel like we probably should have said that up top, like, hey, this is not necessarily like a feel good. You know, you could watch 10 Things I Hate About You with a wide variety of audiences. We said Jason Segel was stark naked at the beginning of this movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. There you go. (laughs) Like, you open up with, like, this is definitely for adults. Yeah, so this is adults only, guys, but very good, very entertaining, and we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Parallel Quest. Hopefully my kids doing whatever they're doing in the room next to us isn't bothering you too much, but uh, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Parallel Quest. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.